When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Running the option on first down. Hagan has it. He has Rome. He's got one man to beat. Now he pitches to Flanagan, and he may take it all the way. Flanagan's in for the touchdown. McKinley Wright from the logo. Got it! Oh, McKinley Wright. Welcome into the DNVR Buffs podcast, presented by the American Raptors. I'm Henry Chisholm, and uh, my voice isn't quite back, which you, you may notice. Um, it's it's so close. Um, went to that Avs game last night, and that was a lot of fun. 14 goals in that game. It was just a roller coaster. Um, had a couple of Breckenridge beers. We'll talk about that more later. And uh, it was a good time. But the, the point of all this is to say, my voice... Not in perfect shape, but we're rolling with it. Um, it is Wednesday. Uh, didn't have a podcast on Monday for Memorial Day. Didn't have time to do one yesterday, but that one will get made up at some point, probably on Saturday. So be on the lookout for that as well. Um, any news? Oh, there is this. Um, John Wilner put out his ranking of the Pac-12 schedules from easiest to hardest. The Buffs have the hardest schedule, according to John Wilner. So, not ideal. We're not going to dig in too deep, but I figured we'd pass that along. Um, the plan for today, and actually the plan for the foreseeable future, is this. Um, I'm going back and doing my review of last season. So, basically, rewatch the game, write about some of the things. I've got, like, a template that I built. Um, the, the, the first... One of those, the written version, is going to be out tonight on the website. I've just got to go back through and add uh, like an introduction and edit a couple things. Um, but that's that's going to be how we're spending things. The, the goal is to hit one every other day. You know, weekends might screw with that a little bit. Who knows if there's going to be news that comes up that kind of screws with that schedule a little bit. But about every other day, um, which obviously would make it about 24 days. Um so yeah, 
about every other podcast as well is going to be about one of those games. Uh, it's just a chance to go back through and, and dig in a little bit deeper, see if anything else stands out because it is fun to go back and watch knowing the context of the season, you know? So we're obviously starting with Northern Colorado and I'm excited about it. I'm excited about it. I guess big picture might as well touch on this. This is the plan obviously for the next few weeks. Um, from there, we'll get into the upcoming opponents and and talk about their strengths, their weaknesses, dig in a little bit, and just kind of use these podcasts, honestly, as a bit of a resource as we go through this season. Um, and then we'll get through the position previews ahead of fall camp. So there's there's kind of the, the schedule that I've put together going forward. Um, again, all that stuff is going to be kind of every other day. There's a new one. Um with room for whatever else on the others. So might as well dig in. Um, actually, so I spent a lot of time thinking about the format of the written part of this. I didn't spend all that much time thinking about the podcast form. Um, and what I'm thinking is a pretty novel idea. First half of the podcast about the offense, second half about the defense. Sure. We're going to go with it. Um, let's start here. The best offensive player in that game was Jarek Broussard. Uh, he, he he started kind of slow. You remember the, the Northern Colorado game. The Buffs wind up winning, I think that's 35-14, to 35-7. They didn't give up that last touchdown. Uh, so they win 35-7, but it was a bit of a slow start. Uh, the offense was not sharp out of the gate and there were some other things that kind of worked into that and we'll, we'll dig into the UNC offense a little bit in the second half of this podcast but they came out and spread and the Buffs were surprised by that um, and because they came out and spread I think that they kind of got a jump on CU and picked up a couple first downs you know they, they had an empty formation in the first play and that went for a first down so they were able to get the ball up to the 50 they punted pin the buffs back deep. Uh, buffs weren't able to, to pick up a first down when they started inside their own 10. Um, and, and they kind of had to dig out of that hole before they could actually play real offense. You know, they, they were losing that field position battle and um, that makes things tough. Uh, you know, the, the, the running game early on, and this is where we're going with this with Jarek. It wasn't good. Um, there, there weren't holes there. Jarek might've been able to make more happen, but those first two drives, pretty pretty gross in a lot of ways you know you have all the you know typical typical things that happen you know there's a, a check a quick check down on a third and 11 where you're like ah why did you make that throw there was no way that was going to work um a roll out to the sideline and a throwaway. you know we saw plenty of those throughout the season but there's that stuff happening um we'll get into the passing game a little bit later though um, after those first couple of drives, Jarek really found his footing um, and, and was the best offensive player in this game. He finishes with 15 carries, 94 yards, and a touchdown. Um, he had like a 12-yard run from the 15 to, to set up his own touchdown um, on that third drive. Uh, the, the next scoring drive for CU, there was one in between. Um, he, he had a 30-yard run from the 50 that gets him into the red zone. So wherever things went well for CU, Jarek was a factor. 
and, and he he didn't play in the second half. Um, they they let the other guys handle those carries, um, but he had broken through, and that could have been a game where he put up a, a really big number if he hadn't been pulled. Um, the burst, the ability to stretch runs to the edge, um, the ability to make blockers right. Th- there was some good stuff there, and you know it, it's easy to to simplify players. Say like, well, you know, Jarek, it's not that big of a loss. You know, he wasn't as good last year. It's like, yeah, he wasn't as good, but also there were fewer holes. And if you actually go back and watch, he did look like a pretty well put together running back. You know, stretch runs to the edge where, you know, he 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 almost uses his tackle as a screen. You know, and and that's just kind of a different way, I guess, of saying like setting up the block. But he makes things easy for those blockers because of his vision, because he's able to leverage them. Um, and we don't need to spend this whole podcast talking about Jarek, but I think it is important to note. You know, this is a game where the offense couldn't get things going, and when they did get things going, a lot of the credit should go to Jarek. And and it makes you wonder. You know, if you don't have Jarek in that game, then what does this look like? Um, Let's hit. Let's touch on the the blocking next, and then we'll get into some of the other running backs because there's some other stuff that, that I found very fascinating. Um, in terms of the blocking, though, again, it, it wasn't great. It was kind of similar to what we saw throughout the season, um, which is that they were better zone blocking than they were when they're running gap stuff, power stuff. Um, asking, asking them to kind of maneuver and, and pick up blocks and get to their right places. Um, it, it felt like they, when they were able to all just push the guy in front of them and say like, oh, zone run right, outside zone right, just everybody move your feet to the right, push them back if you can, push them sideways for sure, and Jarek will figure out where the hole is. That worked pretty well. Again, it's easier to do that and and be successful when you're going up against uh, an FCS team you know, that isn't as stout up front. Um, you, it means that you can just overpower them. You know, you don't have to scheme your runs open. You can play a very fairly simple brand of football. Um, and so, will that kind of carry on throughout the season? Are they that effective? We'll get to that when we get there. But in this game. The, the zone runs much more effective than any of the kind of more schemed up gap style runs. Um, in particular, I mean, I guess Alec Pell, you know, he had a couple nice blocks. He also had a catch in the game. You know, he's, he's one of those tight ends you lose him and Matt Lynch and Matt Lynch also had a pretty good game blocking. I think it, it, it does just remind you that while they weren't getting big production from those tight ends last year, they did have options that they could put out there and and guys who could block. Now now that you have Austin Smith and, and Eric Olsen, who seem to be the favorites in the competition for the tight end two job, you do wonder if, if you can go heavy and expect to be able to run the ball. So there was just another little thought I had there. Uh, Casey Roddick subbed in. They rotated the line a little bit. He played pretty well when he was in. Um, 
Got guys got beat around the edges a little bit, but not all that badly. Um, no other real notes on the blocking except for that big picture stuff. Um, these other running backs, though, and and let's get into Ashad Clayton here. Ashad had a good game. Ashad had a good game. You know, he he starts out. I, I, his first carry might have been on third and one. I I think there was one before that, but but they give him the ball and and he's able. He gets hit at the line of scrimmage. He's able to power forward and and pick up the first down. It's a nice little start there. Um, and I think it was on the next series. Uh, he broke off a long one. He broke off a, a twenty plus yarder. And he did it in the Shad Clayton style. You know, he gets to the edge well. You know, he's he's not, he doesn't have Dion's speed, but he's able to get to the edge. He's able to plow through some guys. He's able to drag a guy. And you see that and think, like, okay, this is an FCS team, so does this translate? It's a fair question. At the same time, though, you see, you see what you wanted to see from him, right? That, that he can make some big plays, that he can be a good running back. Um, and I don't remember what his usage... I mean, I don't think he played it at all against Texas A&M. Um, uh, I guess he had three carries, two carries against Minnesota. I'm, I, I want to dig into those a little bit more. Because the truth is, in that game, he... Let's see, I guess it's eight carries for 51 yards and a touchdown. He played well. He played well in that game, and if you were to watch a shot in that game, you'd say he should be on the field more. He he should get more carries next week. So I want to see how this kind of plays out going forward. Um, but I did think that a shot looked as good as you could have asked him to, probably. Um, Alex also ran well. Alex Fontenot, eight carries, 40 yards, and a touchdown. Broke some tackles, just did Alex things. You know, of all the runners... I guess Joe Davis had five for 20, but um, out of Jarek and Ashad and even Brendan, Alex had the shortest long run, longest run of his day, um, and still winds up with five yards per carry. That's what he does. That's what he does. He, he gets you your five yards per carry, four and a half yards per carry, probably closer to five than four and a half typically, um, but he does it in a very consistent manner. Um Broke some tackles. Not much else that's notable. He did have a catch. Uh, yeah, he had one catch, right? Yeah, one catch for two yards. I noticed him coming out of the backfield a little bit. I wanted to key in on that more. Um, didn't typically get a lot of separation, but you wonder if that's how he could be used going forward. And now we get to talk about the passing game. Uh, you guys probably remember passing game was not good last year, was not good in this game. Um, what, 10 attempts or sorry, 15 attempts, 10 completions, 102 yards, and a touchdown. Uh, honestly, I thought the numbers would be worse than that. Um, I mean, that's fairly efficient. That yards per attempt isn't quite where you want it to be, but given the the context, it's it's solid. It's just not high volume. Um, as I said, you know they're they're doing whatever they can. They have the the check down. They have the the rollout throwaway. Just the classic, you know, Brendan Lewis twenty twenty one stuff. Um, on top of that, you can throw like a screen play that doesn't work. I think it's a third and seven. They run a little screen to um, Alex, and it's one of those things. You know, you call the play. 
because you, first of all, you think you can catch him off guard. It's a good play for seven yards when you need it. But also, you're not thinking we got to get the ball in Brendan's hands and let Brendan make a decision. You know, it's it's a it's a way to take the ball out of his hands, but still give yourself a real chance to to pick up a third and seven. Um, you call the play. He hits Alex. They have four offensive linemen going downfield. Two of them don't make contact with anybody. One of them, I, I think it might have been Kari, gets like a hand maybe on a defender who's able to brush by him and tackle Alex for a one-yard gain. And you see that and think, there was a lot there if the offensive lineman could have just gotten in the way of a couple of these guys. Um, but again, I mean, that's that's this whole situation that's kind of embodies where the buffs are at. Where, where first of all, you're it's a play call that says, yes, it's a third and seven, but we don't trust our passing game enough to actually drop back, run a concept, make our reads, and and deliver a football, right? Or you know, throw in getting open on the other end of it, all that sort of stuff. We we can't do that, so we have to do this which is demanding of your offensive line, and the offensive line isn't capable of that. And so you're just in this catch-22 where what do you do? What do you do? Um, so again, I mean, it's pretty weak from the passing game. You know, the highlight is the touchdown to Montana, um, which also, that, that was the one that was set up by a 30-yard run um, from Jarek. Gets him down in the red zone. And, you know, I think it's play action and Brendan boots out to the right and Montana starts on the left, comes across the field, um, kind of gets gets open, you know, scramble drill type of stuff, uh, gets the ball on the side of the end zone. It's a, it's a good play from Montana. It's a good throw from uh, Brendan. You still want more, though. You still want more. You know, you want more of those sorts of plays, especially when you play against uh, a team like Northern Colorado. Uh, you remember there was another throw to Chase Penry, a zone uh, toward the right sideline, far sideline if you're watching the bra- uh, broadcast. And, you know, it's it's zone. Chase comes up underneath the zone. Corner who has the, I think it's a deep outside, kind of turns and runs with the receiver notices what's happening, cuts inside, and just blows up Penry. Um, great catch from Chase Penry. Wanted to wanted to bring that up once again. Um, Vontae had a catch in there. Brendan didn't have a catch, but had a nice return. Um, overall, I mean, 35 points. Typically, you're not complaining, but there was more out there if they could have kind of turned things up a little bit. So... There's the offense. There's the offense. And I think we can leave it at that and get into the defense in just a second. Real quick, though, want to tell you guys about DraftKings Sportsbook. Uh, DraftKings, first of all, is incredible. Um, I'm actually watching the match right now. It uh, it just started. We're like a hole in. And uh, there were some really cool bets. Obviously, you got to bet on Rodgers and Brady to win. That was like minus 190 or something, but we went with it because it's going to happen. They're up by, uh, I guess they won the first hole, so it's a nice little start. Um, but you could also get them to take the first lead at even odds because 
of a boost that they had. Which again, this is a this is the team that is a heavy favorite in this match. You could get even odds on them to go up first, which they did. And I hope you all saw that and took it. Um, they have an awesome promotion for new users. You can bet $5 on either team to win their first game of the finals. And you'll get $150 in free bets if you're correct. Um, oh, wait. Oh, no. They change it back. They change it back. You don't even have to get it right. You make the $5 bet during the finals. Oh, it has to be a live bet? No, no. Any $5 NBA bet, you'll get $150 in free bets in your account instantly. It is awesome. It is awesome. So make sure you get in on that. And again, download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use the promo code DNVR. Make any $5 bet during the NBA Finals. You'll get $150 in free bets instantly. That's promo code DNVR only at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. Must be 21 or older, Colorado only, new customers only, minimum $5 deposit. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash Sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700. Also, want to tell you guys about Escape Artist. Escape Artist is Colorado's highest awarded topical brand. Uh, it's formulated by scientists who know what they're talking about. And the way it works is it's just this cream that you rub on whatever you need to rub on, and then you will feel a lot better in your muscles there. Um, it's it's a CBD product, um, and it's it's helping a lot of people. We've had a couple people reach out and tell us that um, they, they've checked it out, and it is going well so far. It's a fast-absorbing cream, so you'll actually feel the effect in 10 minutes or less, but the benefits last up to two to three hours. Um, and you can pick up any of the Escape Artist products over at Lightshade Dispensary. That's Colorado's premier dispensary with 11 convenient Denver Metro and Aurora locations. They've opened their Barnum location, which is a block off of 6th and Federal, and it's the biggest Lightshade store with specialty products that are not offered at other locations. They have something for everyone. If you're a casual consumer, a connoisseur, plus podcast listeners always get 25% off all non-sale items with the code DNVR. Shop online at lightshade.com for pickup or visit a Lightshade location near you. All right. Into this defense. Into this defense. Like I said, this was a tough game to scout ahead of time if you're CU. Um, and that's because it's Ed McCaffrey's first game as head coach up there. And for obviously there's no tape on what he does. He's never run an offense at the the collegiate level before. And on top of that, there's really nobody on the staff that you pull from. He brought over most of his staff from Valor Christian High School, which is kind of crazy to think about. And you just assume that they're not going to run a high school offense at the college level. Um, his offensive coordinator is his son, Max, who got his first coaching job on the initial staff, the, the 2020 staff at Northern Colorado. And they they didn't play any games because of the pandemic. And he was promoted to offensive coordinator before the 2021 season. So didn't coach a game there. And obviously, no, he's he'd never coached before. So can't pull anything there. You assume when you play an FCS team that their strategy is going to be to run the clock, shorten the game. The, the shorter the game, the more room there is for you know crazy things to happen. And 
Small sample size is the thought. There's a better way to put it. Small sample size if you shorten the game. Um, and you see what happens. Instead, they, like I said, came out empty and then ran a spread offense. So probably not what you expect when you play Northern Colorado. Um, as I also mentioned earlier, it worked pretty well early on, but the Buffs totally figured it out. Um, Robert Barnes wasn't available for that game. And so that cover one that we've talked quite a bit about where you know, you have man across the board, free safety plays your typical deep middle free safety role, Nate Landman plays a, a short zone in the middle of the field. He gets to roam a bit, spy a bit, do what he wants to do down there. Um, but with Robert Barnes absent, more often than not, it was Quinn Perry who played that short zone while Nate played man. And they switched up a little bit. Nate played that zone as well. Um, but it was a bit of a tweak. And the truth is, when Nate was in coverage, one-on-one with the running back, he struggled. Um you know, little double moves, pretty pretty easy to beat him if, if you're a running back in that situation. Um, so it was kind of interesting to see that tweak before the next week. They play Texas A&M, and, it, you know, that with Robert Barnes back, it, you're kind of at full strength there, and it worked really well. Um, also quite a bit of zone, um, even, even more zone than I would expect on third downs, but the idea is probably, you know, if, if we have one-on-one coverage over here, and this guy screws up, all of a sudden that could be a big play. And, you know, let's let's play zone. Let's make sure it takes them 10, 12 plays to get down the field. And if they can actually string together those plays and stay on the field against a Power 5 defense, we'll, we'll tip our cap to them. But we think that if we can just not give up big things, we'll be right in. I mean, that's a good strategy, and that's probably what they were thinking. Um, into, I guess we can stick with the passing game a little bit. Uh, how about this secondary? So Makai has the interception, uh, an important interception. The Buffs are up 14-0 with about a minute and a half left in the half. Northern Colorado's been on a 12-play, or I guess 11-play 60-yard drive to that point. Um, Makai's in coverage. Just a bit of an overthrow. Receiver kind of stopped running for a second. It's probably overthrown anyway. Just easy pick for Makai. And instead of going into halftime at 14-7, you go into halftime 14-0. That's a big difference, especially when you're playing a team like Northern Colorado. You're They're not out of the game, but they're definitely not in the game. Um, so big play there. He was consistent across the board. A couple really good tackles. You know, he got really low. They have this big running back, probably 220. Makai got down low and, and, and hit him. Um, Christian Gonzalez made a couple plays as well. But Nigel Bethel, obviously I keyed in on him because he's actually with the team this year. Um, he looked really good. He looked really good. Uh, playing on the outside, typically against bigger receivers. And what stood out was just the strength. The ability to reroute guys um, at the top of their route. You know, just just stuff them up a little bit and then stick with them out of the break because they're not obviously going at full speed after that. So I thought he looked really good. That strength played up. You know, that's what you worry about with him is just the size out on the band boundary. Um, wasn't an issue, though. Wasn't an issue. Um, late in the game, we got to see some Nico Reed. He 
it was a loud 14, 15 snaps, whatever it was. Two separate breakups in the end zone. Uh, he also had a great play on a stretch run um, to, to his side, obviously. He's getting blocked by receivers, slips off the block, makes a great tackle, kind of a wrap and roll, and it's a third and four, third and five, something like that. Uh, makes the tackle a yard downfield. Just some good stuff. And again, small cornerback, 165, true freshman in his first game. Good play. Really good play there. Um, I th- the stats on him weren't as good. Um, they they credited him with giving up like four catches for more yards. Um, there were definitely mistakes, that's for sure. But there was a lot to really like. Um, and that was the same with Trevor Woods. Also had a pass breakup in the end zone. Um he didn't. I don't know that he recorded a stat, but he he was the second highest graded player on this defense from Pro Football Focus, which is interesting. Again, played well. He was in position, did all the right things, um, but that grade really stood out. Uh, you know, Kalen Moore's out there. Tyron Taylor's out. There. I don't. I don't have much for notes on the rest of them. Um, obviously. Solid performance, though. Up front, you know, I want to focus in on Jamar Montgomery. Um, He played 17 snaps. 12 of them were pass-rushing snaps, obviously all from the edge. Uh, They just rotated him in as a situational pass rusher, and he was really good. Um, Didn't, I don't think, actually record a stat, but he had four pressures. It's three hurries and a quarterback hit on 12 pass-rush snaps. So one in three, he's affecting the quarterback. That's good stuff. Again, it's not the highest level of competition, but we probably expect him to be be that rotational edge rusher again this year, although there is a lot of competition. Um, got beaten coverage on one of those few plays where they asked him to cover. Just It was just a blitz up the middle with those edges dropping back. I think both edges. Definitely his side. I think both. Um, didn't go great. But that's not what he does. Um, Chris Miller. Ooh, I did have a note on Chris Miller. He looked good. He looked he looked good. He was sharp. You know, there was one play where he tried to make a tackle and kind of got pushed back a little bit. That's what happens. There are also some really good tackles from him in there as well. Um, but in coverage, you forget just how, you know, he's buzzy, right? He zips around in there and seems to be around the ball. Um, he, he played really well and it's a shame that he only played five more snaps the rest of the season. Um, makes you wonder what that secondary could have looked like if he had stayed healthy. Um, Niam Rodman also with four pressures. He was, he was a solid force. Didn't make as much noise in the run game. Um, but again, pass rush, very good from him. Um, off the top of my head, that's all I've got. Let me run through these notes. Um, Buffs first drive, not good. Nate gets beaten. Man, physicality of Nigel Bethel. We touched on that. Oh, Dimitri Stanley, the vision and the patience on a punt return. Uh, he had a great year as a returner. That might be where the, his loss you know, stands out the most. Um, bad blocks. On the screen, um, the touchdown to Montana, another Nate getting beaten coverage, this one third down, um, 
Broussard's burst stands out. Kick hit the crossbar. Alec Pell with a couple of nice blocks, a couple of nice runs from a shot. Um, bu- bu- bu. Oh, Guy Thomas. This is the last one, though. Uh, yep, definitely the last one. Guy Thomas, when they subbed out a bunch of those guys in the secondary and gave the youngsters a chance, they kept Guy in, and it really made him stand out even more. You know, he, he was obviously the one on the field who was playing at that next level. Um, looked really big. That was the other note I had. Was There was one play, I think it might have been on return, um, where you just look at me like, oh my goodness, that is a massive man. Um, but he had a really solid game. He was in the backfield a lot, especially late in the game. Um, but I think that's it. I think those are the notes. A 35-7, solid performance. The details... Eh, plenty to clean up, um, and I'm excited. In a couple days, we'll, we'll go through this A&M game, which will be some fun because you can kind of pull more from it. Uh, but there we go. There's what we learned in that game on further review. That's going to do it for today. I will be back tomorrow with something. I'm not sure exactly what, but we'll be talking about something, and I'll see you then.